I remember swimming. My limbs react instinctively to the river's whim, each stroke propelling my body on beneath an avenue of alders, willows and downy birch, in whose canopy shelters a fluting black fresh return from Spain. His serenade captivates, but in time, as the river flows, that song begins to flounder, splutters and is drowned beneath the viridescent water. Green algae flutters around me, drifting with the river, warm beneath a late spring sun and puttering of rain. Thoughts fall away into the ink deep of yesterday, and I dream. until warm, strong arms draw me up through the tussle of yellow flag and cow parsley. Water tumbles from my body and explodes to form wonderful and terrifying new constellations in the sunlight. <coughs> That's right, get it all out. Fruit cube. <coughs> I don't think I'll ever get used to hibernation. Ah, oh, Thanks. I feel like a skunk did something nasty in my mouth. Skunk? It's just sulfur dioxide making its way out of your body. That doesn't make it taste any better, Doc. Yikes. Oh, Vic, honey, pass me those slippers, please. Here. Ah, oh, it's always so cold after hibernation. You remember the Canara? Now there was a ship that knew how to treat a girl. Sure, antique rugs from wall to wall. And the cocktails, Erebus Sours. Sink enough for those bad boys and they'll have no need for a hyperbot. Oh. Ellie. Oh, it's all, I'm, I'm all right. It's nothing. It didn't look like nothing, Doc. No, really, I'm fine. My ears are ringing, that's all. It's probably nothing. Auditory hallucinations do occur from time to time. Gee, you sure know how to reassure folk. Ow! Ah, oh, I think I was clutching my locket in the pod. You really shouldn't be taking that thing into the hyperpod with you. Oh, but it means so much to me. It was all I could afford back then. One day, I'll get around to buying you that ring. Oh, sure, baby. But I always love the locket. Whenever I need to fall into those big green eyes of yours, you just pop the lid and there you are. Oh, just dreamy. <laughs> Very touching. Now stick out your tongue and say ah. Ah. And again, without the confection. Ah! Yes, well, there is some discoloration of the tongue, possibly necrosis, but we'll just put it down to the fruit cube. Otherwise, it looks like you've passed through your hibernation relatively unscathed. Miss Eloise Van Tyne, I declare you fit for work. Aw, oh, cheers. Thanks, Doc. Always a pleasure. Now, I understand Captain Blackwood is waiting to brief you both in the mess room. Miss Van Tyne? Douglas. Mr. Carson. Dougie, baby. Welcome back to the land of the living. Would you care for a cup of tang? I'll think I'll stick to tea right now, thanks. And is that coffee? Freeze-dried. So pass it over. I'm no snob. Well now, let's get straight down to introductions. This is Chief Engineer Kaiser and his recovery crew. Heinrich, how do you do? Just great, thanks, Heinrich. Call me Ellie. And this is Vic. Heinrich. And Assistant Chief Security Officer Clement with her investigation team. Pleased to meet you. Put it there. <coughs> Assistant Chief Security Officer Clement will be heading up operations on Yaptus. What is that you're wearing, Mr. Carson? It's called a kimono. It does not bear a company logo. No, but it does have a fantastic picture of a dragon flying over Mount Fiji on the back. During operations, regulation clothing bearing the Lonro Company logo must be worn at all times. I'll get my man onto it first thing. He's a marvel with the embroidery needle. Shall we get down to business? Assistant Chief Clement? Very well. We are currently on the approach to Iapetus, a moon of Saturn in the Sol system. Two standard weeks ago, contact was lost with a survey party tasked with assessing the feasibility 
of exploiting the moon as a source of primordial materials. At least while the moon Phoebe, a captured centaur, retains its current triple SI status. Early reports indicate that the survey base suffered a catastrophic depressurization, cause unknown. All crew were lost. Our mission is to secure the base, investigate the cause of the depressurization, recover survey data where possible, if necessary to complete said survey, and recover all Lonro company property. And what about the crew? The bodies are still down there. We are to recover all Lonro property. The bodies of those employees whose contracts include the relevant insurance clauses will be returned to the stipulated parties. The rest will be disposed of under the relevant exploration and exploitation of outer space treaty guidelines. What was that company motto again? Place yourself in our hands. Dealing with the victim's remains is the responsibility of the investigation team. Iapetus has 0.223 metres per second squared gravity and a day lasting 79.32 standard days. We will be working at night. The terrain of our operational area will be largely ice-covered with a dark material layer no more than 0.3 metres thick. Temperature, 98 rising to 105 degrees Kelvin. No weather, no magnetic field or ionosphere, but we'll be well within Saturn's magnetosphere, so we'll be employing standard NOAA suits. Our access to the Nessus's shuttle is limited to 36 standard hours on site before the ship continues its supply run. Mission duration is scheduled at two standard weeks. We have not been issued with gravity plating. I always work best when I wake up in the morning, feeling like my head's gonna explode. The existing base has gravity plating. If the mission extends beyond the scheduled time frame and the gravitomagnetic field generator is serviceable, we should be able to at least make use of their sleeping quarters. Now, disembarkation is in approximately 22 standard hours. 05.30 ship time. Report to the launch bay at 03.30 to prep your NOAA suits and review safety procedures. I expect you all to be sufficiently rested and in possession of your personal bags. Remember to cycle all your iron jets. We will not have time for repairs once on site. Yes. Yes. Oh. These things always remind me of slipping under a warm duvet. With buckets on your feet. <laughs> a fair way removed from that sweet little spacesuit you were wearing in a certain Yangon bar. Uh, with the goldfish bowl helmet and the antenna. I couldn't even sit down in that thing. Hi there. Hello. Haven't seen you around the university. Huh? You're a student? I've got a research grant. Geoscience. Someone pulled a few strings for their bright eye boy, did they? Uh, sure. Sure. Um, say, let me buy you a drink. I'm only allowed one drink on my break. Okay. Sensible. Well, that's quite an outfit you're wearing. It really catches the light. In fact, that's what first caught my eye. Uh, across the room there. It's fish skin. They make me wear it. Well, it sure looks swell. It's grown from a genetically modified culture. The code's modelled on the Suprinus carpia hematopterus, Kikokuru koikarp. There are guanine crystals underneath the scales that reflect the light. The lab techs mimic biogenic processes to enhance their photonic nature and produce the mirror-like sheen. They can even modify the genome and growth matrix to generate custom patterns in the colour. Wow. The things they grow in bats these days. I guess it's kind of practical to wear too. Um, what with the monsoon season? Say, with all this rain, how have you managed to go so long without a shower? Ah, uh-huh. that's not nice. Okay. I can take a hint. I'm only kidding. Tell you what, why don't you buy me that drink now? Biologist, huh? Yeah, one day. Well, hang on to that spacesuit of yours and one day we can go out to the stars together. Boy, that place was a dive. I was so happy to find work with the assisted plant migration programme. 
Look out there. What is it? Is that the shuttle? Should there be so many patches on its hull? Oh, you know these freighters. Built to last. You can slam them into a moon and they'll still get you home. That's the Robin. Second longest serving shuttle in the fleet. And the most reliable. She can take some beating, I'll tell you. Patch her up and she's ready to fly again. Smooth as a lake on Titan. Smooth as a lake on Titan? My I hear the announcement, I feel a rush of anxiety. Before the crew get up from their seats, the artificial gravity is switched on to acclimatise us to the environment in which we're working. It's easy to be taken unawares and have an accident when you suddenly find yourself weighing 50 times less than you did a moment ago. A lightly placed foot can send you bouncing against the walls. I know the drill. I've experienced it many times before. But more often than not, the finger on the dial belongs to someone who's done this so often themselves that they forget what it's like for the rest of us. What should be a gentle transition from Earth gravity to near zero G can become a heart-stopping plunge from the highest peak of a roller coaster ride. Some people get a kick out of it, but me... <laughs> it says I failed. My stomach somersaults and catches in my throat as I struggle to take a breath as I watch the floor fall away from me. Across the way, one of the investigation team vomits inside his helmet. And my head begins to pound. I feel my own dreaded rise of nausea. When Vic taps his helmet against mine, I turn to see a man in his element. I see bright green eyes and a goofy, crooked grin. His voice is low and calm. He cuts through the cacophony of screams and laughter. It's okay. It's okay. We've done this so many times before. Anchoring me to the room. Fighting down my rising nausea, I become aware of the pressure of his hand on mine. And quite suddenly, I'm laughing too. Okay, settle down. Peterson, don't take that helmet off in here. You can clean yourself up in the subtle latrine later. (laughs) Gee, it's just great we've landed on a nice world. She can be queen of it. Chief Engineer Keisler and Engineer Danby will accompany Officer Drubble and myself to secure a base airlock, assess the situation and establish a plan of action. Meanwhile, Supervising Engineer Yamanaka will be heading up the unloading of supplies and the construction of our own camp. We only have the support of the shuttle for 36 standard hours, so for the rest of you, his word is now law. Now everyone into the cargo bay for depressurisation, quick as you can. Uh, uh... After that, Officer Peterson can clean himself up. (laughs) The muffled tin pan clang prompts the more experienced crew to brace themselves as the cargo bay doors break open. It figures. Another rush job. Sound means atmosphere. They haven't even waited to expel all the air from the cargo bay before we're exposed to the vacuum. The outrush of air tries to drag us with it and we stumble against each other, keeping balance assisted by our Noah suit. The frantic clicking of the suit's tiny iron jets echo around inside my helmet as they fire, invisible hands at my chest, pushing my feet down towards the ground. Someone is watching over me. Anyone without an assigned task, clear the cargo bay while the heavy gear is unloaded. Stay within the field of the shuttle's floodlights. Come on, Toots. Let's quit this joint. I hear you. Sure looks cold out there. Black and cold. Another day. Another world. Take my hand. Ready? One, One, two, two, three. three. (laughs) (laughs) The ion jets push my foot down 
and I feel the satisfying crunch like powdery snow underfoot. I lift my boot and inspect this first impression. The delicate powder cast off from Iapetus's sister moon, Phoebe, at first resists but then crushes into the hard lines of my footprint. A crisp punctuation that marks the beginning of a new adventure together. No matter how many times I do this, I always remember the first step onto every new world. Like a tiny wound. Ugly. What's that? Smile for the photo. Sesame. Just step to the side, please, you two. We don't want to run you over now, do we? After all, it might upset her nib schedule. Maybe it's cold outside. <sighs> there now. Didn't I say we'd see Saturn together one day? It's so bright. I'd forgotten we'd be able to see the rings. Their shadow arcs so boldly across the northern hemisphere and the planets in turn blots them out so absolutely. The whole thing looks like it's been turned from a block of wood and set up low in the sky. It's beautiful. All that weather. Great bands of hydrogen and ammonia crystals racing round him. It's breathtaking. I hope we get to see a white spot. One of his storms. OK. Hand me that camera and go stand back over there. Let's get the two of you together in a picture. <laughs> Careful there. There are little drifts of powder that give way when you walk. The ice underneath isn't very even. Ah! And it's always taken me a while to get used to this suit in low G. OK. Hey, this powder... More of a dark red than black here at the edge of the floodlight. Like the heart of an uncut ruby, every jewel holds a secret. Check your air supply there, boy. You always get poetic when your oxygen mix is too high. <laughs> <laughs> My beautiful wife-to-be. Behind her, outside the pool of light cast by the shuttle's floods, cold Iapetus still sleeps the dark crumpled blanket of primordial material drawn up about him. Occasionally there's a wink of light where some wayward meteor has torn through to reveal the ice beneath. And beyond this, his girdle of pockmarked mountains tumbles over the steep curve of the horizon into the stark glow of distant naked ice. Like some long-forgotten ruin. It's so very peaceful here. Now hold your finger up like you're balancing Saturn up on there. A little higher. There. <laughs> <laughs> Say, can you two tourists spare us some time from your sightseeing to come help us put up this tent? We'll be sleeping under the stars tonight. Well, the residents will be doing a little more than that. What do you mean? It's the morgue. Oh. The first bag they brought out presented something of a surreal image. A rubber sack undulating between the two men, carrying it like some great blue jelly. That was until one of them lost his grip. For a moment it was comical, the way he stumbled trying to catch a hold of the twisting mass as it made its slow descent. Clutching desperately at the air until he finally got a hold, missing the looped strap at the corner of the bag, he managed at last to grab a hold of something more solid. There was something in the way he gripped that amorphous thing that made its mass become all too apparent. And that's when we saw a leg at first, then a second, a torso, the dead weight of a man strung out between the two of them. Every twenty, thirty minutes they'd bring out another blue bag until the base was cleared of its inhabitants. Forensics got down to interrogating the computer systems, and soon after that, me and Ellie were given the OK to check out how far the research had progressed. Seemed the systems managed to bear up pretty well against the brunt of the decompression, we should be able to complete the work in under 24 days. And so life on Iapetus settled down with all the inevitable distractions necessary to counter the mundanity of the work. <laughs> Aidan, two glasses of your finest wine, if you please. Sure, Vic, sure. Just take a sup of this little fella. <coughs> mm. I'd say the bouquet has mellowed slightly. It hasn't lost any of its original vitality. It plays as lightly as a cow across the sinuses. This one's had a good four days to mature. A vintage brew. Yeah, give it another day and it'll have eaten its way for the canister. Oh boy, this'll be a real treat. 
Aiden, you're a genuine craftsman. I'm surprised Clement's cronies haven't shut you down. That's still not exactly inconspicuous. Nah, the best place to hide something's always in plain sight. They think I'm just filtering out impurities from some nanofluid. I tell them it's a very delicate process and then they leave me well alone. Which is for the best, really. If anyone who didn't know what they were doing tampered with this little setup, they could blow a hole inside of the room. And then anyone without a suit would soon find themselves bedding down with our unfortunate predecessors in the morgue. What? <laughs> Not appropriate. Aiden, why don't you pop outside and get some ice? You can use your helmet to bring it back in. <laughs> hey, have you heard what they're saying? What? About Clement's tattoo? She's got a snake wrapped around an atomically correct heart right here over her own. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's precious. I hear she's got an apartment full of bugs and lizards back on old new Mars. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. About the forensics findings. What? That the basis decompression wasn't any accident. Oh, I do love a conspiracy. One of the crew went crazy. Do Lally. Carved at the crew and then tried to vent the evidence into space. It could even be hiding around here somewhere still. Don't be ridiculous. No, there'd still be signs if anything like that happened. Where's the evidence? I heard there's still one body unaccounted for. Peterson or no? Peterson, you know anything about a missing body? Oh, you know I can't talk about that kind of thing. Coburn? Sam Coburn was the name I heard. And Rover's missing too. Paranoid personality disorder. It happens more often than you think. Ah, oh, you're just cooking up ghost stories for the campfire. The poor sod probably couldn't get back in to refill his air supply and died out there in the field somewhere. I'm with Ellie. I don't believe a word of it. Now, this story about Clement's tattoo, on the other hand... <laughs> <laughs> didn't you tell me you'd seen it when you followed her in the shower one time? What? No! <laughs> well, it, it wasn't a snake or a heart, anyway. Uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> the following day, we got the all clear to move in into the old base's sleeping quarters. Finally... A chance for sleep in something like normal gravity. Ooh, I've so missed that feeling of my head sinking into a cool, soft pillow. Yeah, but it's kind of a shame though, isn't it? What? Well, it's not often we get the chance to make use of the low G. I don't think we've quite explored all of the possibilities it can afford. Why, Miss Fantine, you make a man blush. <sighs> An upstanding gentleman such as yourself never blushes. He mantles with emotion. <laughs> what? <laughs> mm. <laughs> ah! oh, oops. I think I've dislocated a vertebrae. <laughs> no, honestly, it really hurts. Oh, what's what's this? Addressing down from the chief engineer if we can't get that wall panel back into place. No. No, there's something hidden behind it. Well, check it doesn't have teeth before you go sticking your hand in there. Too late. Hey, it's a book. With pages? Someone's journal. Oh, wow. Feel that. There's something sensual about real paper. It's like a lover's skin. I get it. You read a lover's body. Samuel Cohen. So you don't think that's the Sam Coburn Beth was talking about? The guy who went crazy and murdered everyone. The missing body. You should probably hand that thing in. Well, you're not curious. If this guy's genuinely under suspicion, there might be something in there to clear his name. Ringed satin built buoyant above the stark monochrome of black mountains and the distant white plains turns his jealous eye towards us. Looks like this Sam Cohen was a bit of a poet. Yeah, a bad one. We all wrote stuff like that when we were kids. You're not even a bit curious. He could clear the insurance payout for his family. Yeah, I guess you're right. I'll only hold on to it for a bit. <laughs> <laughs> to make sure there's nothing incriminating. I'm only thinking of his poor wife and kids. Okay. Listen to this. 
Once upon a time, mankind brought artful direction to the natural world, responsive to its tides and tempers, thinning out dominant species to increase diversity, regenerating areas of stagnation, regulating nutrient and energy flows. By these devices, nature became rich and bountiful. But with prosperity came complacency and arrogance, a disconnection a desire to control and brutalise without regard for consequences in the pursuit of unbounded wealth. Nature became a small consideration in the abstract world of economics. The fear and respect for the elemental fell away into dark abstracts, fearsome shadows to populate the night, easily dispelled by a full belly and an empty mind. It sounds like your man was a religious nut. But can't you see the underlying truth? People have been saying the same kind of things for thousands of years. The view backwards is always rose-tinted. I say it stems from a fear of change. I guess. Still find it interesting, though. What goes through a man's head out here in the cold and the dark? Sure. Sure. Here, let me read you some more. Okay, but when we get back, you need to hand that thing in. It sounds like he was becoming deranged or something. If they can prove the isolation was getting to him then that might help mitigate any issues over insurance payment. Okay. Okay, now where was I? Once upon a time, our vanity was humbled by the waves. The Carteret Islands, the Solomons, Maldives, the Orkneys. Strange to be thinking about those sunken islands in this desert of ice and broken rock. We went diving on the Carteret Reefs. They were constructed on a sunken atoll, but the Maldives aren't sunk. They're in the South Atlantic off the coast of Patagonia. Ah, I think the Maldives bought those islands around the end of the 20th century and renamed them. Aren't the original islands under the Arabian Sun Islands? They used something like that as a foundation. Say, do you remember the trip we took across the lagoon that night? The Carteret Reefs. The way the bioluminescence kicked up around our canoe. The fish looked like blue comets. That night, I realised you sure was something special. Aww. Okay, we're coming up on the next drill site. Bagsy, I'll get the airlock first. On this silent world, we work surrounded by millennia of unobserved history. Unrecorded. No one ever saw this or that meteor tumble into the ice. This landscape doesn't feel obliged to be anything but itself. Shadows roll down from the mountains to blanket the landscape. It makes no sense. But I can hear them murmuring, a chorus of voices low, rumbling and indistinct, rocking up inside my ears. I can feel my breathing becoming easier, my movements slower and more precise. Here I understand the futility in our need to document, to memorialise. All the hopes, worries and regrets which tether me to the past and future fall away. I must present an absurd figure standing here in the dark, dependent on a jumble of technology for my survival. But it's only here, in these wild places, that I'm able to become myself, where I see what truly matters. Ellie, you daydreaming? <laughs> mm. It's like we've turned up late after everyone's left and all the lights have been turned off. <laughs> yeah. I was just thinking about those sunken islands. It seems like nature forms those ecosystems that are stable and self-regulating. And then human beings come along and throw everything out of the balance. It's always humans trampling over paradise. No. I haven't thought it through fully. I mean, a cataclysm causes it all to collapse, but in recent millennia that's always been down to human activity. A stable ecosystem collapses, giving way to a new one. And not always. Species die out, islands drown... Habitable planets become devoid of life. Life on Earth was nearly wiped out 250 million years ago, but we got lucky and came through that. It sounds like you're saying that a geography and life evolved together to form a harmonious end state until something comes along and breaks it? No, I'm just expressing half-thoughts. Ecosystems are determined by whichever species gets there first or are the most successful, including humans. I don't think the natural world existed as some kind of pre-human paradise. Like the Garden of Eden. <laughs> yeah. This is the Anthropocene, and our Earth needs to be managed. I know that all too well from working with assisted plant migration. 
A lot of plant species would die out without that. But what gets me, though, is that people don't stop to think why it's the case. Plants have been bred and some have evolved to depend on human intervention. There were people I worked with who didn't realise the earth wasn't always like that. Like some grasses. Maize needs human intervention to survive. Yeah, so shouldn't we think more about the impact of our activities? It seems the lesson was learnt for a while after the Great Upheaval. People actually made sacrifices then. But now we've expanded from the earth, we've gone back to taking what we want and just managing the consequences. I get what you mean. There's an attitude of if we mess something up, we can just move on and make a fresh start. Leave the mess for someone else to clean up. You think we should go back to accepting the burden of responsibilities for our actions, rather than passing it on to some anonymous body like a company? You're not just making a general point, are you? It's us you're talking about. I've found only trace bacteria. No indigenous or colonising populations. I can find no objection to the mineral extraction. But it is beautiful here. Bearing fluids reacted with reduced iron to deposit seams of siderophile metals and were mapped by iron-rich lithologies. Hey, listen to this. Hmm? Ah, come on. We've got these reports to write. You're letting that journal distract you from your work. Just listen. This is relevant. (sighs) Okay. Looking up at the blinking light of the Galactic Trust Station in orbit with Phoebe, I am made all the more aware of the fragility of that primi... primigenial moon? I have no idea. It sounds religious. Oh. Okay, anyway. Once she journeyed deep into the cold, cold Kuiper belt, her surface worried by a history nearly as old as that gas giant about which she now turns. The work we do here on Iapetus will give economic weight to Phoebe, stacking the scales against its scientific value until she takes her place upon the great spreadsheet of life. That glimpse into the primordial solar system will be carved up and processed for its mineral content, turned into microelectronics and fertiliser to dull minds and hunger, bombs and propulsion systems to spread further the reach of the unscrupulous moneyed. I feel like you're trying to tell me something. What is it? You're going to reject the extraction proposal? I haven't submitted anything yet. Changed my mind. Ellie, I know it's beautiful here that Lunro will strip the character from this place, but there's no grounds for rejecting the proposal. And what if this is just a stepping stone towards mining, Phoebe? When the market's flooded with cheap products made from Yapetus mineral carpet, no one will want to give that up. Lunro will draw attention to the benefits to medicine and economic development. They'll say there are hundreds of Phoebes out there in the Kuiper Belt that can be studied. But that's the point. There aren't hundreds of Phoebes. There's only one that's had such a long, unbroken history of observation. There's only one that can give us a glimpse of the Kuiper Belt four billion years ago. Yeah. But we can't write a report based on speculation about something that hasn't even been proposed. We can only base our conclusions on the facts. We can't speculate on the consequences of our actions. No. Sam! Hello. You look like you've just caught sight of the Sago pudding. More likely one too many of those cocktails you were serving up last night. Hey! The air's bad in here. Don't you think the air's bad in here? No, it's alright. Ah, now you come to mention it. I didn't like to say anything earlier. Well, Peterson can be very sensitive about his personal hygiene. Huh. There's been a build-up of ammonia and acetone in the air. One of the scrubbers was shot. I've just finished moving another over from the blending camp. It is safe, though, isn't it? Yeah, sure. What? You don't exactly sound convinced. No, it's fine. I guess I'm just feeling a bit boxed in. Okay. Well... What? He's terrified. Look at that face. It's just all these system failures and safety breaches we've been finding. 
I don't feel entirely safe here. Just today, there were three alarms that have been disconnected, a coolant loop that had been drained without... You worry too much. It's like with doctors, you know. They're so aware of what could go wrong that they start diagnosing all sorts of rare diseases in themselves whenever they get the tiniest sniffle. We all get that from time to time. Best thing to do is drink. It gives you a sense of perspective. Yesterday I had to replace a ventilation valve that kept locking open in its sea airlock. If it hadn't been spotted, it's possible we could have had another decompression like... Whoa! Hey! Hey! We don't talk like that when we're in the can. Sorry. Sorry. No, you're right. I'm letting my paranoia get to me. I see it's still the prospect of sacred pudding. I'm sure we've got some chilli in it. Yeah, it's like you can only cook for zero G. No, this place is much safer now than what they had to put up with before. Some of the things I've seen, this place is just waiting to blow. <laughs> Wait a minute. What about your crazed crew member deliberately vents everyone out into space theory? Well... Oh, nothing can ever just be an accident, can it? Does this mean I can stop looking over my shoulder for the crazy killer hiding out in the air ducts? <laughs> it's best to be prepared for every eventuality. That kind of thinking keeps people alive. And makes nervous wrecks of us all. I'll be seeing you later. Sam, I'll buy you a drink. A stiff one will put that lovable smile back on your face. If you make it a double, maybe. Hey, you forgot your book. Oh, thanks. Um... Drubble. Officer Drubble. Journal of Samuel Cohen? We've never really talked, have we? Uh, Funny that, in such a small community. This is your property? Yeah. Well... You found this on the base? This should have been reported immediately upon its discovery. You know, we were about to do that very thing, but I just had to get myself some victuals first. You know, the chef's uh, quinoa and ginger-infused tempeh is the talk of the survey division. I'd have just died if I'd missed out on my last chance to taste it. Sago pudding too. And the sago pudding too. You'll both have to come with me. Do you realise the significance of this object? It's just someone's journal. Samuel Cohen. The name doesn't mean anything to you? You've not heard any rumours? Nope, not me. How about you, Ellie? I never listen to gossip. You must be the only ones. Nevertheless, anything that may have a bearing on the events that led up to the incident here must be reported immediately. We understand that, Assistant Chief, but as I explained to Officer Drubble here... Yes, yes. Fortunately, we already have a clear picture of the events leading up to the incident. This is a paper book, isn't it? Yes, I... I think so. Impractical for an itinerant lifestyle. I mean, it's quite heavy, isn't it, to be carrying around? And how much can you store on it? Two, three hundred kilobytes? I guess it depends on how small you write. Of course, the data can't be hacked or copied very easily. Without this name on the front, it would take time to identify the author. Ideal for anyone planning a criminal act. Did you read much of it? I... I just glanced at a page or two, out of curiosity. Like you said, you don't see many paper books outside of museums and art galleries. I didn't actually read anything. We're far too busy to be reading books. Those reports weren't right themselves, after all. I've never touched one before. My uncle had a pad which simulated the feel of paper. This feels different. Irregular. Dirty. How long until you've completed your work? The field work's done. We're just collating the final data and writing our conclusions. Well, the Nessus will be returning to evacuate us in 70 standard hours, so you'd better make sure you've packed up all your kit by then. Sure thing, Assistant Chief Security Officer Clement. Thank you, Dr Carson, Dr Vantine. We were lucky there. How to go of the Ice Queen? Oh, just a lot of hot air. It's nothing. Really? We were genuinely worried there. That guy could have made a shortage of toothpicks sound like a matter of life and death. <laughs> mm. Say, get this though. After all that stuff about this place being a death trap, Sam already put his name down for the first time of operations. What? But we haven't even submitted our conclusions yet. I guess they already decided there was a profit to be made here. 
the preliminary survey found enough readily available schreibersite and xiphengite amongst the surface dust to make it viable. That's why they're in such a hurry to get the base fixed up. Unbelievable. We're just rubber stamping a decision that's already been made. Come on, my darling. Let's take a ride out to the mountains. We've still got some gear out there to pick up. It's our last chance to get out onto the surface, so let's try to enjoy it. OK. OK. But first, you need a shave. What's that you're listening to? What? Sorry, Dawn Chorus. And it's a particularly mellow blackbird. It doesn't seem out of place here at all. It's a shame we'll not get to share a sunrise here. Yes, the sun's hiding there, just below the horizon. Too shy to say hello. I'm losing track of time here. The chronometer doesn't motivate me so much as count off the days until another deadline. After a while, I stop registering the numbers on the screen. I just glance at it out of habit. And all the while, I can feel its resentment growing. Your chronometer resents you. I'm convinced. It's got nothing to do all day but tell me what I should be doing. But then I just go on ignoring it. I'm denying its one purpose in life, aren't I? <laughs> now, a sunrise puts clothes on the day. Tells you exactly what kind of a mood to expect. What? You know... The sun's rising, it's picking out an outfit for the day, and you just know. Today is a jogging bottoms kind of day. I'm going to brew a big pot of Earl Grey and curl up with my man and a good book. Or, hey, let's break out of the tropical shirt. Today, I will greet everyone I meet with a smile and a sincere compliment. You can't see any day as mundane if you mark each with something as unique as a sunrise. Rem, Aku, Tetigisti. Uh, you've hit the nail on the head? Yes. You've touched it with a needle. <laughs> <laughs> While we were in hibernation, I dreamt of that time in Yorkshire, that day you proposed. I woke up early that day, walked through the woods along a lane, already illuminated by birdsong, and the first few voices were clearly discernible. Robin, Nightingale, and Songthrush. I climbed the hill up towards the old quarry where a blackbird piped up, closely followed by a wren. With the chorus breaking up beneath me, I watched him come up. That great big fiery ball in the sky back again with another day. Come on, sleepyheads. What's today got in store for you? And what had the sun picked out from his wardrobe that day? <laughs> oh, a long summer dress, bright with sunflowers right down to the ankles. That must have been quite some spectacle. You bet. I don't think I'd have accepted your proposal quite so easily if it had been anything else. Well, I must remember to thank the fellow for his sartorial acumen next time we meet. Let's make that soon. Sure, sure. And we'll leave poor old Yepetus behind. Great, dark, slumbering thing. It is beautiful here. This material has taken millennia to accrue, and they want to go and suck it all up. In a couple of years, this place will be unrecognisable. But what do you want to do? I don't know. Not this. We need to work, Ellie. <sighs> OK, convince me. That light. The Galactic Trust Outpost for Phoebe. In a few years, the company can challenge Phoebe's special scientific interest status again. Maybe they'll grind her down for rare minerals. Saturn will briefly gain a new ring before the remains crash down here on Iapetus and the profits are maximised and then all that history's lost forever. It's vandalism. We can't stop it. But we don't have to be a part of it. And who knows? If we're working outside the company, maybe we can come up with another way. Change people's attitudes and you change the market. It's happened before. It didn't take a violent revolution to stop people eating pigs and chickens. No, it took the great upheaval. The world was already heading that way. You want to go freelance? Well, yes. And only ethical patrons need apply? We'd be able to pick the jobs we tender for. Ones where we could make a difference. 
We need to invest in our own kit. Where do we get the money? The retirement fund. Madness. We need a private client base. We've got a few connections now, enough to get us started, and then we can build one up. And what are we going to live off until we've done that? Come on, we've lived hand-to-mouth before. We can do it again. I don't know if I could live like that again. Just think about it. Please? Okay. Okay, I'll think about it. Say, do you see that? Oh, come on, don't try and change the subject. No, really. Over there. Where? Look, that flash of light. That's not ice. Let's go check it out. It's the missing rover. There's no damage to the airlock, but the cabin's depressurised. I'll report it to Clement. No, let's, let's check it out first. Maybe we should leave it this time. We're already in trouble over that journal. Help me with this. Oh, all right. But if I end up in prison, I'll not be blowing you any kisses through the bars. Oh, I still have my memories, baby. Emergency lighting's down. Look! The poor sod didn't have his helmet on when the cabin depressurised. What happened here? No power anywhere. It looks like fire control vented the atmosphere. But the system should have automatically repressurised the cabin. Another safety breach for Sam's list? It's Samuel Cohen. That doesn't look like a face of a killer. Whether he looks like one or not, it's starting to look like that's how he'll be remembered. Maybe that's why he looks so disappointed. Yeah, you've got something there. As if he knew? Hey, we don't know anything for certain yet. No, you heard Clement. She as much as told us they were pinning the blame on him. They've got their scapegoat. Why look any further? This is wrong exactly what I'm saying. No, this helmet, it isn't for a Noah suit. It's a radiation helmet. The seals are different. It wouldn't engage properly with his suit. The name tag's different too. Or yay me. He wouldn't have been able to get back into the station after it depressurised. He'd have been stuck out here, unable to restock his air supply. Mix-ups like that don't just happen. They're framing him. I don't know what it looks like. He must have died back on the station with everyone else. They've dragged the body out here, grabbed the first helmet they came across, and then they've sabotaged a rover to make it look like he's deliberately killed himself out of remorse. Also, they can come along and discover him and present him as evidence for whatever crazy story they're cooking up. Look, just calm down. Think for a minute. I wouldn't put a thing like this past Monroe, but we can't prove anything. So what, you're just going to report it and play along with their game? I don't think we should even do that. I think this spells a whole heap of trouble. If Cohen is being framed, Clement will have spent these weeks laying down a trail of evidence to convict him. They've chosen a good candidate. He wasn't exactly happy about what was going to happen here. And now they have his journal. Oh, Vic. Sorry. I'm sorry. But you must see our own names will be mud if we try to interfere. We'd have no chance of proving Cohen's innocence. And we don't even know for sure what story Lundrode intends to put out. There isn't enough evidence to prove that there's any conspiracy. Sam told us about all the health and safety infringements. He was even worried about reoccupying the station. It was so run down, an accident waiting to happen. That's just circumstantial. And do you really think that Sam would risk his job to give evidence against Lunro? The man's got a family to support. You think it's fair to even ask him? I just can't let Samuel take the fall. He's got a family too, remember? You pointed it out yourself. If he's found guilty of sabotaging the base, he'll forfeit any insurance payments to the family and they could end up destitute. 
Okay. Pass me the camera. We can at least record what we found. Thank you. You know, no one will ever employ us again. But we'll have done the right thing. Maybe. One thing's for sure. It looks like we're going freelance from now on after all. I promise we won't regret it. I'll hold you to that. Ellie, I don't know if my falling in love with you was the sanest or the craziest thing I ever did. But I do know that so far I haven't regretted it for one moment. We're going to be so good together, Vic. We'll make them all stand up and take notice. Sure, Ellie. Sure. Iapetus by Mike Exelby. Cast in order of appearance. Ellie, Josh Exelby. Vic, Sajinda Bowler. Doc, Greg Pina. Douglas and Officer Drobble. Tim Kilminster. Heinrich and Aidan. Rhys Pollard. Clement, Ketner Boutron. Doc Crew and Sam, Mike Exelby. Shuttle Pilot, Tony Amos, Peterson, Tom Reynolds, and Bev, Grace Elkin. Yapetus was written by Mike Exelby. Corrections. A reference in scene 1 to sulphur dioxide being employed in the hibernation process should in fact refer to hydrogen sulphide. The music played in the background of a young on bar was Oriental Girls, royalty-free music by Ordea.com, Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0. This play and recording, a copyright 2018, Mike Exelby.